0: Hey, Nick. What's up, Adam? Where did you get that shirt you're wearing? The one that I like so much with the Star Wars things on it? Oh, this
1: one. This one I get a lot of compliments on. I got this one from Roosevelt's. R-S-V-L-T-S. You know that company. I see them on Instagram all the time. They make great stuff. Shorts, shirts, all the business. Yeah. They have a bunch of great Star Wars designs, obviously. And other franchises like Marvel, WWE, Disney, and many, many more. So many more. They're more known for their button-down shirts, but they also do T-shirts and shorts. And not just for the men, but for the women and the children too. Dark. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way they fit. The fabric is
0: super comfortable. Can't stop wearing them. Nice. Well, I'm going to rsvlts.com to make a purchase because I actually don't own anything yet and I've been meaning to buy something. I'm going to use the promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off my first purchase. And you can do the same again at rsvlts.com. I'm talking to you, listener. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER and get 20% off your first purchase. Hello there, and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell. I'm Ryan Key. My name is Nick
2: Canbarian. I'm Mike Forster, and I can't believe Ryan Key is here, and what a treat for the rest of us that I'm here with the original tripod of Thank the Maker talking about.
3: You guys are the podcast now. I just show up sometimes. <laughs> you are
2: the podcast. Well, it's good. It's so good to see you, Ryan. Thanks, man. I'm.
3: Uh, yeah, it's uh, tur- turkey day got in the way last week. As it does, yes. I'm, I'm never, like listeners at home, I'm never just like, you know what? Nah, I don't feel <laughs> like it. But uh, yeah, we were, we were in uh, mo- mom and dad's uh, RV. Uh, my dad has a, a very cool. All the bells and whistles, like uh, not Spaceballs Winnebago, you know, think that, but really nice. Anyways,
2: road rules, Winnebago. uh,
3: We drove to uh, Athens, Georgia for a family Thanksgiving and you all were recording while I was bumping on down the road. Driving like this. I'm happy to be here.
0: (laughs) I hope the RV experience was like the movie, uh, We're the Millers.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. My dad went to jail. You guys are getting paid, <laughs> marijuana baby.
0: Laura, Laura, yeah. I still don't know where
3: Laura is. My, my fiance. I don't. Know, I don't even know where she just got <laughs> abducted, or I, I don't know. Yeah, it was.
0: It was totally She's still down in TJ. It
2: was totally like that. My mom is Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> had to do a had to do a strip for some reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remember that the the old classic running gag of Thank the Maker was always like, "Oh, Ryan's dead," and then eventually we just be, we're like. Coming up with more and more brutal ways for how you died, and then eventually people were like, "Is he actually okay though?" And then we had to stop doing <laughs> Is that. Is he that safe? Yeah. Is he okay? I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> you hear him. You hear him. And, I, and I'm
3: I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about uh, the best the best Star Wars of all time. I'm excited oh, to talk about it. Here we go. It's great That's shit. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm just, Mike. I just wanted to lay the gauntlet down for you. <laughs> yeah. Here we okay.
0: <sighs> oh. We're talking about Andor. We're recapping the season. Because it just needs to be done. These things were so dense. All these episodes, yeah. there's so much dialogue and so much depth to what Tony Gilroy wrote that I feel like, as well as we did week to week, you know, on just a few hours of research, th- there's so much more to be said. So here we are to recap it. And I'm damn stoked. I don't actually think it was the best Star Wars of all time. I just I just wanted to annoy Mike. That's all. <laughs>
1: it's up there, dude. It could dude. be. <laughs> The way I talk about entertainment, something could be the best, but not your favorite.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, that's true. Yeah. But, I, but I, I think that, and we can get into this, but the concept of there being no force, no Jedi. Like, I'm totally fine with it, but it is sort of going to take it out of the running for best all time. Yeah. Just yeah. kind of inherently. Because that, we can't
2: right? remove Empire Strikes Back, for sure. I get that. that no, you that.
3: definitely can't. You can't do yeah. that. Even Rogue One had some force in it.
1: you know. Grogu and the dust bunnies, that's up there. Yeah,
2: I can't <laughs> remove that either. It's also on the on the mantle for sure.
3: <laughs> but well, in the same breath that I say, like I don't actually think it's the best Star Wars ever. I, I also think it's the best Star Wars ever, so let's talk about it. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, we've got a little more traditional stolen plans to do since this is wrapped and we have things like budgets and um, IMDB and Rotten Tomatoes score, so let's do that. What have you done with those black? And or season one actually has two different official descriptions from Disney plus. One comes from the Disney plus app or website and the other comes from Disney plus media, probably being their publicist, their official like media outreach. And that's something I found on IMDB. So Ryan key in um, sort of opening crawl tradition is going to read these for us. In an era filled with danger, deception, and intrigue,
3: Cassian Andor will discover the difference he can make in the struggle against the tyrannical galactic empire. He embarks on a path that is destined to turn him into a rebel hero. That was the Disney Plus description. Pretty all-encompassing. The press kit description is, the series will explore a new perspective from the Star Wars galaxy, focusing on Cassian Andor's journey to discover the difference he can make. The series brings forward the tale of the burgeoning rebellion against the Empire, and how people and planets became involved. It's an era filled with danger, deception, and intrigue where Cassian will embark on the path that is destined to turn him into a rebel hero. See you at the movies. (laughs) Yeah, that one is not, like, trailer-worthy at all. No. That's like, oh, so you've never seen a Star War. Let me explain (laughs) this to you. Yeah,
0: for sure a uh, a media kit description for the the normies. So as uh, we've talked about a million times, and as everyone knows, this was created by Tony Gilroy with... I don't know what the official budget is, but rumor has it it was 15 million per episode. They ended up spending 15 to 25 million per episode, which as far as I read was not much different than The Mandalorian. Real interesting.
2: Mando was about 15 so million. So
0: much money. But it is 12 episodes though. So It's
3: so much money for a television show. Yeah. It's
0: just crazy. Times they are a changing.
3: Yeah, for sure. Crazy. But those Disney Plus subscriptions, they're gonna Yeah.
0: You know, they keep that account full. I actually heard uh, a little bit of an interview with Tony Gilroy talking about spending all that money and the giant practical sets that they built, especially Ferex. I mean, it's massive. Like you can see they yeah, they did some digital enhancement, you know, sort of like the, um, the continuation above like 12 feet or whatever, right? Everywhere. But they built a few blocks of like full on Ferex, right? So He, he realized that he had to do, or they basically told him he had like, we got to get our money's worth out of this set. Like you got to come back to it, you know? So there was a lot about that final episode that was sort of, his hand was forced in a way. And in any other lesser writer's hands, I think that, that task, that like box to check could have gone poorly. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. well, we got to go there. And then the the story suffers. But this dude... I mean, there, he talked about a bunch of stuff like that. Like, even just getting Cyril back there, the idea of, like, the, the phone call, the kind of funny phone call with, with his buddy, mm-hmm. it was all just kind of so like some fancy screenwriting trickery to make it all work because they, they had to use the set. But he killed it, you know?
3: I mean, it's a page out of Star Wars lore. Think about how many times we've been back to Tatooine. Yeah. You know? I mean, even Jakku is like Tatooine, even though it's not, yeah. right? But, like, I think... That, I think if anything, it was like, "Why can't we go back there?" Every, right. every other Star Wars stories goes goes back to Dagobah, goes back to Tatooine, goes you know yeah. goes back to Jakku. But, anyways, my point just being that like using familiar spaces
0: is definitely part of the storytelling. And there's something really beautiful about the circular storytelling, which I'll mention momentarily when we get through these stolen plans. It all worked out, though. I feel like 8.4 on IMDb, 96 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, 85 percent audience score. That's so sick so everyone loved it but despite that it had significantly lower viewership supposedly like the the metrics are harder to come by these days with streamers but there there are some like independent groups out there that do it the old the old Nielsen rating system doesn't really work the same but from what everyone can tell it didn't get the viewership that we got with Mando or Obi-wan Kenobi and we're, we even see that like with our podcast numbers the number of people that are, out there looking for coverage of it seems to be lower. Like we have our core listenership, but it's evident that this wasn't as mainstream popular as they hoped, but still it was in the top 10 most watched original streaming shows, according to Nielsen, throughout its whole run.
1: When I think about that, I would just say that it has to be the younger audience that's missing. Yeah. Because there's nothing at all anyone could say bad about this show you right. know like the 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 weirdos out there complaining about bricks and screws and things like that you know that that are on screen and uh that there's no lightsabers but this is what everyone has wanted like every more mature adult aged star wars fan wants this so i think that you're gonna probably miss a decent demographic of like the 12 to 18 or so you know like yeah, those like, people
3: uh, how are they i mean i i feel like it's a really tall order for most 12 year olds i mean i don't, I don't have a 12 year old in my house but to keep up with the story it's, yeah. it's not you know there there's there is zero monster of the week episodes here this is you have to pay attention to each little thing down to what they're building in prison for the the big reveal at the end, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of throughline and a lot of characters and a lot of espionage. So I I hadn't really thought about that being a massive chunk of the demographic that's missing. But I've also, we've we've talked about this in our text threads and things like maybe one of the I hate to say mistakes, but like something that could have caused part of this is that they called it Andor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, how many? How many? Just run of the mill. It's a Star Wars, so I'm going to the theater to see it. You know, I'm not gonna say who it is because he'll be really he'll be he'll be bummed if I do, because he's in, he's into it. But I remember having to kind of be like, no, this takes place before A New Hope. You know, with Rogue One. Mm-hmm. So like thinking about your average fan that doesn't have a podcast about it all, going and like remembering that the dude from Rogue One's name was Cassian Andor. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it's a lot to ask of an
0: audience. You know, There's and, zero English words in this title. It's not Rings of Power. It's not
3: yeah, like, Rise of Rebellion. Yeah. Sure. Some type of rebellion title, I think, might have pricked some more ears and then hooked more people. I, I mean, I don't know. but yeah. Too late now.
2: Well, this, this was probably like this. We, we talked about this extensively at the beginning of it. You had come off of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and part of the reason why Andor felt so different to me was that Star Wars has always inspired hope, and Andor to me felt like revenge. Yeah, and that was the theme of the show overall. I mean, literally, like the thing that we were gushing about. Yeah, not a lot of hope <laughs> here, right? And that's that's by design. That's you know, Gilroy's. That's Gilroy's point. But I mean, you know, just even all the the, the monologues and the parts. I mean, we're going to talk about it, but you know, it was it was mean. And so to go from little Leia running through the woods and having these great dialogue, that I, I don't blame. Kids under 15 yeah. for wanting to sit through Mon Mothma's politics. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's almost, it's almost in ways like the same reason why people have come to appreciate the prequels later in their life because they have the comprehension to understand what's going on versus being like, uh, kind of here for the space battles and you're sitting here in this giant coliseum of people talking, you know, just what every kid wants. is like, Oh, a grandstanding of politics. So (laughs) I think, I think it is, I think that is the, that is the group that was missing. And I think I had talked to a lot of people about Andor that were more casual fans that were going, if I didn't love Kenobi as much, because I'm, I'm not obsessed with Kenobi the same way that all of you guys who love the prequels which we still lost a big amount of the fan base over the prequels that haven't really come back to it. But when I was describing the show as more like a Breaking Bad versus Book of Boba Fett, I brought a lot of people back in to watch it that were like, this show is amazing. And I'm like, I I don't know what to tell you. You know, everyone enjoyed it. They just had to put in the time.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Without an action set piece, like every 11
0: minutes, even like the most diehard fans are going to be like, like my brother-in-law and my sister who are big fans, but they're not like, you know, get Star Wars tattoo fans like me. You know what I mean? They're like, I don't know, it's kind of slow. Does it get better? And I'm like, yeah, man, it does. (laughs) Like, What are you doing? (laughs) No, it actually gets worse. But, you know, (laughs) without space battles and everything right out of the gate, I think it just, it challenged people's expectations enough that they're like, "Eh." yeah, And their patience, yeah.
1: I just think also, too, like in... 2022 the way we all watch shows and stuff it's so hard for anyone to watch something that's quote unquote slow right you know right. like it's really just a difficult like everybody attention spans are rapidly declining
0: disney seems to still believe in it though they're still pushing and in a completely unprecedented move they're airing or they aired the first two episodes live on their cable networks being abc fx and freeform and it's also available on Hulu. Started November 23rd. It goes through December 7th. So it's not like they're thinking, oh, it's not going to work. And they're moving on. They're still pushing. They're still trying to find
2: the audience. For the points that we've been making, you're also looking at the shows that we still hold in like utmost reverence, right? Of Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad, The Wire, The Sopranos. So few of those shows are in this fast pace that we've come to just be accustomed for because it's like on the opposite ends of our, our ADD spectrum, everyone is saying that breaking bad might've been one of the be- greatest TV shows of all time, which I feel like Andor the pendulum is over on that side versus the boys. Right. Which is also like the most, you know what I mean? It's like Amazon's like most watched show and it's every episode is just ridiculous. So I, I just feel like, you know, we, we are seeing our attention spans have been distracted. And I think it really just goes to show the power of brand recognition within star Wars uh, is lightsabers and ships yep. and heroes. And you know, that's, that's something that either they think is a problem or they don't think is a problem. And I don't think they do because they signed on for two seasons of this show before it even aired.
0: Yeah. yeah and just another couple hundred mil
2: casual. that's <laughs> nothing.
0: And I think the, the return on their investment ultimately isn't fully monetary. And I, th- I think when this show was greenlit, that was still Bob Iger days, right? And he's as much a visionary as anyone who's ever been at Disney. So I think he and Kathy Kennedy have seen, or they see the potential return on the investment as the expansion of what Star Wars can be rather than just the simple profit and loss breakdown. I think in general, the, the
1: here, go. I'll tie it to Star Wars. This show is a rebellion because yeah. you have to be able to tell things like this. It can't just be like, The Boys or Mando or whatever. It can't just be like shock and awe all the time because guess what? As much as that's what everyone wants two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years down the road, you're gonna get bored. Like it just has to become more and more shocking if you're only gonna provide character cameos or shocking moments or anything like that. Life is not like that. So this show is a line in the sand in a certain way of being like, we have to, calm down. Like, we we have to be able to tell this too, this kind of story as an art form because if we don't, it's going to die. I mean, look at like just regular TV shows like sitcoms are dying, things like that. And it's like, maybe that's just a sign of the times, but it turns production companies into, uh, like, they don't want to take risks after a certain point, you know? They want existing IP and they want to reboot ideas that were successful before. If if things like this don't get a chance and have a certain, like, graded-on-a-curve view from the, the actual companies that put them out, like, it can't just be all about money sometimes. Yeah. Or
0: else you're not going to be able to get this. It's It's just... It is a line in the sand for me. It's a rebellion. And Marvel's dealing with a similar thing where... Even though they're expanding like the the types of characters that they're showcasing and the types of stories they're telling, they're still kind of stuck in that format where no matter how they approach it, even something like WandaVision, it still ended with a big CG punch fest. Mm -hmm. And people are tired of it. Mm -hmm. It's all good. It's all fun. I watch all of it, but franchises that are this deep in need to try different stuff. And I think that's what they bet on here. So, yeah. They're going to be in a good place. It's working out. It's probably going to win Emmys and shit. Like, it's... Everything is fine, as far as I'm concerned.
1: I hope so. I'm really... I've said it before in the last, like, week or two. I'm just like, I haven't seen everything ever that's been nominated for awards, but this seems like it's got to get the above-average recognition. Like, Star Wars, usually, their award recognition they get usually has to do with like costuming and, and right. graphics, you know, like, still this. On Scar's head, come <laughs> yeah. on, man.
2: I, I know. Dude. It's gotta,
1: like, I really wonder, like if you start getting like a best actor or best actress or best screenplay, like whatever, if you get star Wars to get into that recognition, I think that's pretty big time.
2: Even just to get nominated for something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that's complete validity for sure. And, I would say probably besides Black Panther, the Marvel stuff was always kind of like the, you know, not for awards people. It might be the most money-making thing on the planet, but the awards people were like, well, you know, mm-hmm. those are those are toys for the screen. You can't play with those, you know. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's not cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of
0: screenwriting, I wanted to make this point earlier about the circular storytelling that turned out to be something more mechanical in what, Tony Gilroy needed to do, but he did it so well because this concept of kind of ending where you started is a valid and very effective storytelling, um, a way to tell a story. So it starts on Ferex, right? With Cassian who is no fan of the empire, but he's clearly not ready to be part of a rebellion, right? But then through a series of extraordinarily traumatic events, experiences and all this, he returns home and he's a completely different person. He's completely changed on that level.
3: You're going to die here, you know,
0: <laughs> it's convenient. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's the same kind of vibe. And he becomes someone who is that to such a degree that his only reason left to live is to fight the empire, ending with the quote, kill me or take me in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was mechanical in, in terms of what he had to do budgetarily. But it takes a, a seasoned screenwriter like Tony Gilroy to be able to, you know, it's like writing a, a pop song or something, you know? You go in knowing, all right, we need a big hook. It doesn't make it any less special when you find that hook and nail it, you know? So I'm never not impressed. Every word I hear this dude say about his experience writing every single episode, everything, I'm just so thankful that we got him to do this kind of Star
2: Wars. I mean, if we bring up the biggest contrast that I think that Andor was, You know, because what's weird about it is that I'm in way too many Facebook groups and way too many Instagram groups and all that, that, that people are constantly talking about this stuff, right? And so you have, Star Wars fans have this really bad habit of being like, this is the best. It's the best thing we've ever seen, right? And Ryan and I have been kind of joking about it back and forth because there are so many things that this show did to our adult brains that would say this was the best in terms of like the writing The cinematography, the sets looked longer than 14 feet long Mm -hmm. against some of the other shows because, again, adaptive technology, brand new technology, um, this went old school. And so you have cinematographers that are shooting stuff to shoot them. Mind you, the volume is only three years old, and there's been many, many, many cinematographers that have never used it. And so you see a lot of these complaints about some of the shows that have been its predecessor. And... You think about what this show was and the fact that people want to say, oh, it's the best. It's the best. But the tone was so much more advanced for our adult brains. But I use the joke of like the Halloween costume. costumes. Like I didn't see any like like what made Star Wars accessible for all of us as fans is that I saw a seven year old Darth Vader at Halloween this year. And 10 years ago, I saw another 10 year old Darth Vader. And then I was Darth Vader when I was 10. And so over the decades, the thing that's been... I was Boba Fett. Yeah. We, it's, it was fantastic. But what what the magic of Star Wars was, was that the spirit of adventure, spirit of hope, the spirit of fighting, and just play straight up cool characters is what has made this franchise beloved over 50 years. This was the first show where tonally, it didn't feel connected in a lot of ways. But for us as adults, we were able to put that together and go. I'm loving this so much because I'm able to comprehend this. But the formula is certainly different, and that's what made Andor. Andor. But in contrast to the next big show that's coming in Mandalorian, that to me has more of the the Star Wars beats, right? And it's not just. And I and I don't say that anything's the best because. There are things that I don't I think everyone on here is mature enough to go, this was better than anything we've ever seen. But then there's other parts of it that go, was it the best Star Wars thing? So tonally, again, a Batman issue, right? We all grew up with the Riddler being a guy in a yeah. question mark, a question mark jumpsuit going, I'm telling you knock knock jokes. Yeah. And the most recent Batman, the Riddler bludgeoned the mayor to death with a carpet spike. <laughs> it's the same yeah. character in the universe, right? You get what I'm saying? And and we can comprehend that Riddler is a psychopath as adults because we know that things like that happen. But for a kid, like I feel like kids today have been robbed of what Batman is compared to the Christopher Nolan Batmans because Adults are, like, pining online for, like, grimdark, we want everyone to be murderers, blah, blah, blah. And so we just have two tracks that Star Wars going on now. And I think that's just an interesting point to talk about because I'm here for all of it, but it's an interesting observation of where Star Wars might go from here, which was my original point of Andor.
0: Your biggest concern, though, really, is sort of giving the old grumpy trolls what they want and sort of uh, doing a version of what everyone felt like was the end of cinema in a way when what was the, what was the effect studio that went back and changed Sonic after the backlash, you know, you put like <laughs> right. too much power in the hands of the fans. Yeah. And then it's like, well, what can we make anymore? You know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, like
1: I, if that is like the overall concern or like talking point here, I think that it is so much smarter than that. So I'm not concerned, you know, it wasn't what the trolls wanted. It was something new and mature and so much more than that though again i haven't seen every tv show that's ever existed <laughs> but this is probably top 3 as far as i'm concerned when it comes to like dramas you know like i it's you ever seen cheers man <laughs> that that's comedy i'm pretty sure but i like it has this i use words like perfect because it's simple but there's there's just very little to like nitpick and debate when it comes to this show and i think that that's such a remarkable accomplishment at, at this point in just all entertainment is to have something that might be revered as perfect or near perfect by its fans, by its biggest critics.
3: Yeah. It's great. And then, like, the option here of how do you show the normal people in the galaxy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, do you, how do you show the people that aren't iconic characters and their part in the story? Or do you just not show it at all Because... Right. If you're going to show them, they're not going to be Halloween costume inspiring. They're just going to be people, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not a Navy. It's just people, (laughs) right? I mean, like, who are those people? Well, this show brought us who those people are. And I agree with a lot of Mike's points. I think it is actually a little bit scary as far as what happens now. Because this changed everything. This production, let's just leave it at that. This production... Changed everything, you know? I mean, but but we'll see. We're, I, I guarantee you, next year, we're going to be swung all the way back the other way
2: watching Ahsoka. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fully. Probably with Mando season three, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. But
3: we're going to be in, in full-blown, just Jedi wonderment again, you know? Like, whatever they're going to do. Filoni fan service mode. Yeah, whatever mm-hmm. they're going to do with that series, you know? Which I think that series poses its own risks of viewership and, and whatever, because it's called Ahsoka. Honestly, Rogue One probably bigger than the Clone Wars, right? No, yes. I, I mean, as a everybody you talk to on the street went to the theater to see Rogue One because it was a Star Wars movie. It made Whereas, over a like, billion
1: dollars,
0: right? So yeah, that's, it that's a benchmark in terms of mainstream recognition, yeah.
3: That's what I mean. And so this is an even in in a way, you know, maybe bigger in pop culture because at to Mike's point, it's a it's more of a Halloween costume character, Ahsoka Tano. But still the average person on the street to say, do you know who Cassian Andor is? No. Do you know who Ahsoka Tano is? No. I mean, <laughs> right. and they're, you know, and 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 they're calling the show Ahsoka. So there, there's that too. And and I but I respect it because I, I do think, for lack of a better term than fan service, I mean, they're they're doing it for us. Yeah. You know, and yeah. all the salty pricks online that that wanna just find something not to like. It's like, what, dude, they're what more do you want? Yeah. You know, um, other than a time machine. And by the way, Mike, it's been 46 years. Can we, can <laughs> we just slow your roll on the rounding up? <laughs> we'll
2: be there soon. <laughs> Don't I know?
0: <laughs> Lastly, on your point about giving us a story about people, just people in the galaxy doing kind of normal people stuff, a planet that we've never heard of, a bunch of citizens with local customs that are just, they're all human, but they're aliens to us. You know what I mean? That is an opportunity I feel like Star Wars can't just leave hanging because it's something you can't do with Marvel. Like, What, do you, what kind of story are you going to tell about people's day-to-day lives in the Marvel universe mm-hmm. unless you do it on another planet? Because you're just like, I mean, The Office, um, Cheers. And you, technically, those are all <laughs> that because the shit takes place on Earth. So to not take advantage of this and learn what it's like to just have a blue-collar job on Ferrix. Would be leaving something out there hanging that is a, a great opportunity for some deep, awesome storytelling. All right, let's do the den. For over a thousand generations,
2: it is the dark saber Toronto oh, gosh, It's a
0: Calicore,
2: a Sith wayfinder, dark science, cloning, the secrets only the Sith knew.
0: We've got some good ones. We're going to do a little recapping, but we'll also talk about. A few things that are newer ish. Uh, and even in the recapping, we're going a little deeper. So Nick's gonna take us down the stairs to the left. That's where the den is, right? Yeah, to the left, go down to the left. to the right is yeah. the boiler. That's right. that's right. that's right.
1: Boiler room. My favorite this is my favorite thing that actually just came out today. So we're starting the den off with this. but composer Nicholas Bruel said that the musical piece of uh, in Rick's Road, the episode Rick's Road, the musical piece in the funeral procession was the first thing that he worked on with Tony Gilroy. So they actually like worked backwards from that. So they had to design what the instruments looked like and you could see some real close-ups that you didn't necessarily see in the episode of, oh, that's a flute with like two other Star Wars little pieces on it, but it's a flute. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So one thing we picked up on last week is that Adam, I think you said it looked like they were actually playing. You know, people's fingers were moving at the same time. And they, it was truly a piece of music that they wrote. And those people, I would assume most of them, if not all of them, were actually playing that actual song. And of course, it was overdubbed, I'm going to assume, for the final product. But to make that last scene
0: work real life in real life, those musicians did play that song. They hired professional musicians, professional orchestral musicians to come out and march and play that shit.
3: Yeah. They must have had Unreal. uh they must have had some type of PA system
0: just ripping a click track for them. Yeah. Or in ears so for everybody with wirelesses.
3: Yeah. Well, I think I don't know. You would probably notice. You did, I mean, maybe, I don't know. They all had hats on, right? Or a lot of them had headwear. But yeah, yeah and they could have done one ear. They could
0: yeah, painted yeah, out either way. all that
3: shit. They they had to have synced it somehow, you know, so because they were really playing, as you said in that video. But yeah, it's really interesting to think about. And I'm sure this happens. It's not like completely groundbreaking, but scoring in reverse like that is that's that's wild. I mean, that the you know must have been Tony Gilroy coming in to say, "I already have this thing that I want, and I'm gonna I want them to be playing it live. Go." Mm-hmm. As opposed to normally, as a composer, you get the episode basically finished, almost right. you know final lock, picture lock, as they call it, and you score that. So
0: really cool. They also talking about it, kind of working backwards in a way. Uh, I think I mentioned this last week or maybe before, but Tony Gilroy talks about how he and Luke Hall, the, uh, the production designer basically started by designing the entire world. And it was Tony Gilroy's way of understanding what he was working with. So he didn't have to, you know, midway through a scene, invent some prop or some technology and fail at it. Being a dude who doesn't know much about the star Wars universe. Cause he doesn't care. He's just not in the star Wars. So he and Luke Hall, they created Ferrix, they created Neamos, they created all these planets and what they would look like, what kind of objects would populate the rooms and the, the corridors and all of this shit, and then worked back from there. So he had this giant sandbox to work in as a writer, rather than just kind of winging it as he went along, being a non-Star Wars fan.
2: It's not totally uncommon to do the grand finale first most expensive part you do at first book of boba fett was the same way yeah yeah but what i what i also loved and kind of now that we're getting the bts that's like you know that funneled out gilroy talks about the actors needing to understand where they are in the timeline right because like you got to think of how awkward it is to be an actor which is why it's very easy for us to kind of be like oh actor is real tough but like think of dedra in Cyril meeting in this most awkward way and like almost not kissing, but like, uh, uh, uh. Mm-hmm. That was their first, like, that was like a first day of shooting for them. And they're supposed to have, okay, like over the next six weeks, you guys are going to have this awkward conversation of not really knowing each other and being super creepy to each other. And just for their characters to understand that, like, at this point, we're seeing again, selling Cigars incredible Luthan's stoicism of realizing what's happened and just all of these performances that we get knowing that that came first and to direct them as actors and then also for the actors to be able to nail that continuity of how we think that their characters would be is just it's just impressive damn well done nick what's
1: next so once the finale aired of andor starwars.com shared a list of easter eggs in luthan's gallery with close-up high-resolution photos we'll share them in the show notes. Here's a couple of those, as well as some other ones that we uh, found. So, the Wookiee helmet from Revenge of the Sith, we got that one, right? Yep. Most
0: of these we've listed, but Mm -hmm. just to recap and add a few on and go a little deeper, we're kind of doing that again.
1: Yep. Uh, Mandalorian Beskar armor, we got that one. Jedi temple guard mask, we got that one. Jedi and Sith holocrons. I do have a question, and maybe Mike, you could help with this. Sure. Why are they so damn big when they're not so damn big? Rebels. Are there different sizes? Or is this just I a, think this
3: was a choice, but like the, different size hard drives. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that,
2: yeah, that was that was like a five hundred terabyte. That was a big old <laughs> boy. And the other one was yeah. like five twelve <laughs> jump drive.
0: Yeah, it was an old external powered uh, yeah. G drive. Yeah. It was a zip disc. Yeah, like the one in, in uh
3: Rise of Skywalker just had one thing on it. The just the math <laughs> X call. That's it. Yeah. So it was small. Yeah. It's a flash drive.
0: I like it. Same thing in Rebels, right? Those are pretty handheld.
2: Yeah, I those mean, are handheld. Yeah, yeah. Kanan was hiding it in his sock drawer.
3: Yeah, the one, uh, the one in Fallen Order is is handheld. With, with yeah, all they've the... always
2: been handheld until
1: that one. Yeah. These are box sets. <laughs>
2: yeah, and for the for the prop makers, I've been able to connect with a couple of them. I, I, it's it's a design choice, I'm sure. Like make it a little bit bigger, and people, it'll be fun to throw in Easter eggs in the back. They've now shown what these look like. Um, now that they've been able to share them and the detailing is beautiful. I mean, the Twilight of the Apprentice, all of the graphics and the line work um on Malachor, it's almost identical. It's they crushed how those look in person. It's amazing.
1: Sick. Well, good. Well, it ruined the entire series for me because they're out smaller. <laughs> wow. Yeah, right, right. So I've been tweeting for weeks about it and no one's responded. Uh One thing that we got earlier in an episode which we can now confirm Sith Stalker, Armor, and Starkiller's Dark Lord helmet from the Force Unleashed video game. That is a deep cut. Very cool. Uh, Gungan Shield, we got that one. Very rad. World Between World Tablets, which might be my favorite one. Agreed. That one is absolutely excellent. First seen in Rebels, obviously. More Confirmation of Indiana Jones and Earth therefore being canon, the Sankara Stones from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Same prop maker that made the holocrons did those. Yep. Nice. So here's a little bit of uh, debunking as far as... More Indiana Jones stuff. So, all the carbonite blocks that are in the back. One item we speculated, and a lot of other people speculated, could have been Indiana Jones' whip, was actually a necklace based on ceremonial collars worn by Southern Chinese people known as the Hmong, who are part of a larger group known as the Miao. Right, Miao. And they're typically worn for weddings. So, no Indiana Jones' whip. I'm sorry. You only get the Sankara stones. God. Been tweeting about that too. <laughs> So we didn't get that from Indiana Jones but we did get a pair of fertility idols from Raiders of the Lost Ark. So there was an Indiana Jones Easter egg that we missed. And then one for Ryan, the last thing in the Oh yeah. in the Carbonite. Give me it. <laughs> uh, this is the coolest thing. Uh, this one, wow, I can't even believe This, that this is confirmed exists, but a severed. Right? This is yeah, confirmed. This is from starwars.com. Dude. Yeah. So a severed engineer head from
0: Prometheus. They didn't show the photo in it, but if you click that link, some, some other folks found it.
3: Well, what I think is cool about that and like whatever led them to like pay homage to aliens is the idea that they're humans in Star Wars, right? And it's the same exact species as us. And so the engineers, like who knows who created all the other species in the galaxy, but engineers made us who made
0: them, right? That's the thing. Yeah. That's the question. Super cool. I really want to do an episode specifically. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago on why earth is absolutely a canon planet in star Wars, all the evidence out there. <laughs>
3: yeah. Including totally. Including this. Well, this definitely proves that, you know, you don't mm-hmm. really know if this shot at the beginning of Prometheus is on earth or not, but I like to think that it was I like to think that that was the birth of man in that opening scene on earth anyways. But then again, this could just take your whole head cannoning thing for a trip because if it's in, the, if humans in the Star Wars galaxy were made by the, the engineers too, it could have been any planet that sustains life, you know?
0: What's really going to bake your noodle is
2: <laughs> <laughs> when, when uh, you catch uh, Han Solo uh, smuggling xenomorphs <laughs> <laughs> in Solo 2 make Solo 2 have it. You're hauling xenomorphs? <laughs> <laughs> tell it's a country club <laughs> <laughs> tell it's a Weyland-Utani <laughs> <laughs> alright
1: uh, a couple more things that we got which we can now confirm the Calicori of course Twi'lek family heirloom first seen in Rebels an Utapauan monk cudgel which uh, the design is based on a Samoan war club the Aztec two-headed snake sculpture the Aztec calendar inspired tablet a Keldor breathing mask similar to one uh, that Plo Koon would wear. And to wrap up, uh, Luthen's Den of Antiquities, is, and this is not so much an Easter egg, but a cool interpretation, the piece that Luthen sells to Mon Mothma for her husband. Luthen describes it as a two-faced divinity, the sun goddess and the serpent from the overworld sharing the same mouth. And uh, someone on Reddit speculated that it could be symbolic of Mon Mothma, the sun god, and her husband, the serpent, sharing the same house or Mouth. People are smart. Perrin is pretty
0: serpenty, isn't it? Perrin. Yeah. Snakey uh, son of a bitch. He's uh, the worst, dude. Gross. <laughs> he's the worst. I like snakes, and I want to cut that one in half. <laughs> and then a couple more um, outside of Luthen's shop. Uh, the anvil that the Time Grappler hits is made out of Beskar. Where did we get that confirmation from? Mike? you figured that out, right?
1: I heard. I had heard that early on. Like when I mean, we it first looks like him, it, but yeah, for sure,
3: it ha- has that very specific metallic coloration to it like like that wood grain kind of uh waviness it's like it's like a it's such a dark metal you know yeah um, it's like
0: uh it's like a space gray macbook
3: zach with, in the <laughs> chat patron zach said mike sound tested it he went and hit it and <laughs> brought back the information that it's made out of beskar
2: dong yep that sounds right uh wikipedia says it's beskar and i think the reason was the, the audio description for people who are um have impairment read that it was uh the you know he goes to hit the giant bell of beskar steel nice so
0: in the in the subtitles in the
2: yeah sick yep so uh like i said the armorer would like to know your location <laughs> <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. all
1: right so this one is we're going to take the veil of speculation off we're, we're we're allowed to speculate for the next couple of minutes
2: don't you mean the veil of speculation hey. yeah ooh. <laughs>
1: Depending on what part of the galaxy you're from. Vale, Vale. All right. This is wild. And let's just say it's true until proven otherwise. But nemix manifesto can be seen on Cassian's more bluish winter coat. When they're on Jeddah, you look at his coat, like right on like his kind of the top right chest part of his coat. It looks like you could see Nemek's manifesto in a in a hard case, I would say. Same size. Ooh. It's tied up there on it. This is this is big time. I had a thought about this like once it got brought up. It, it
3: it actually it kind of like obviously it didn't end up carrying this trope along with it because we know how Cassian dies. But it almost oh, has spoilers. the idea. Spo- spoiler: <laughs> uh, if you're just watching Andor, cold, uh, he dies eventually. He go. But that kid, he could die old, uh, an old man in his bed. You don't know what I'm talking about. But it it carries like that old Western thing of like you got saved by you know the bible in your in your With jacket pocket yes, <laughs> stop yes. the bullet from killing yeah, yeah. you you know he's like wearing the manifesto over his heart kind of vibe you know
1: that was literally in a movie i saw last night a new movie by the way
0: yeah i in my head canon that's the manifesto i want it to be that so bad i like please let it be that the, there is an aesthetic difference like it, it looks like a little hard case like nick said and you can see there's sort of a like a a top to bottom hinge on one side. It's got a yellow stripe on it. The one in Andor has a leather sort of like folio around it.
3: It's like a Kendall case.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like a soft case. So, you know, you would assume that if something's that important to you, the case wears out, you get a better one.
3: There it is. I just love the idea of like the writer's room, like early going, you know, like where did this idea come from? Did someone come to Tony Gilroy and say, we have an idea for a show? Would you like to write it? Did he see the movie and decide he, he thought it would be a cool idea and brought it to them? Whatever, but wherever in that process he was like, "Oh, what is that thing?" Yeah, like what? What is that? What is that on his jacket? And then I'm gonna, I'm mean, assuming that we're right because we're always right. And let's be honest, like <laughs> for sure, we crush it. You know, we're the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I feel like just those little types of things that inspire such massive moments in cinema when it's just a little thing. What is that? What is that? And and it's something you learn again to like talk about something. I remember as a kid growing up, like props are everything like your, your focus on what something is and what it means to you in a scene. And as a character, you know, how you hold it, where you keep it, you know, where does it live in your house? Where does it live in your spaceship? Whatever role you're playing, like those items are, essential to your craft and so mm-hmm. to see something on his jacket and go why is he carrying that whether Diego Luna knew why he was carrying it or not I think he probably did I doubt he knew it was a manifesto but he had some there you know he came up with something for that because he I think he carries that sort of level of depth as as an actor in the work he does but either way props props are everything you know I mean props and and, and your scene partner that that's why you act, that's why you act to to have the items that... Because th- think about the items in your life, right? Think about our microphones and our cameras we were talking about before we started tonight, how essential they are to what we do and how much we care about them. We talk about lenses and all the shit that we do to make streaming and podcasting, whatever, right? Like characters need to do that too with each and every item they have in their life, especially on screen. So I, I love it. I love the concept of this, like seeing that on his jacket and being like, mm, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna create an entire character for that prop. So cool.
2: I wonder if there was anything be- behind the scenes too, because it's no secret that like Rogue One at one point was a massively different movie than what we ended up getting, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure that there, there, there very well could have been some detail, or, you know, even, it could have been even something simple as like, you know, Cassian taking notes or Cassian having his own version of like what he was writing his story, if that's what Gareth Edwards was, was originally thinking, right? So it's not crazy to think that that wasn't intentional. You know, mm-hmm. and and that could have been because of the the original first production, uh, because I think Jetta was filmed somewhat earlier. Uh, so it's, let's put it this way. I would be shocked if it was not the manifesto at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, that, if we never hear from that again, I would be shocked.
0: It's kind of, I mean, it, it could be like any other prop, any other like a little bit of a costume that the understanding of it in its original use was kind of just vague. It's something like this. Yeah. Just think of it like this. You know, you've got it there because of X, Y, Z it's special to you, right? That's all the actor needs to know. And then as the story develops, that stuff gets fleshed out. It gets filled in. And here we are. Well,
3: next season, when he puts it in that little pelican and straps it to his jacket, we're all going to be like, listen to Thank the Maker because we know what we're talking about.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: All right. Should we talk about any of these loose ends and what's next and whatnot? um, Or should we just get on to I Love You, I Know, and maybe talk about that stuff off air?
2: Yeah, I think. I Love You, I Know. There's
0: no we don't need to speculate.
3: I I think we've celebrated what this show meant to us without well (laughs) I I say without being like overly give me more Star Wars. I'll tell you know, because someone's going to be like, oh, of course you guys liked it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I think we've done a good job. These guys
1: always liking stuff. Toxic positivity. I think
3: we've done a good job at like exploring sort of how different it is and why and the pros and cons of that. And I don't want to speculate. I just want to show up and watch it, you
1: know. All right. Let's do this then.
0: Hey, Adam, can you believe that it's the holiday season already? Unfortunately, I have to believe it because it's happening way too fast, and I've done almost zero Christmas shopping. I'm way behind.
1: Well, spoiler alert to everyone in my life. You're all getting clothing from Roosevelt's as holiday gifts this year.
0: (laughs) It's a great idea because Roosevelt's not only has all the Star Wars shirts, shorts, and everything else that we wear, but they also have tons of designs from other pop culture franchises for other people that aren't the same kind of nerd that we are. Yeah, they actually just launched a
1: line of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation button-downs and T-shirts if you need something to wear for your holiday party. And they also have other designs from franchises like Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, WWE, The Office, Rick and Morty, Friends, and old-school movies like The Big Lebowski, Jaws, Goonies, and you're going to love this one, Top Gun.
0: Well, if you feel the need for speed, as I do, you can go to rsvlts.com. That's Roosevelt's with no vowels. And use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. That's RSVLTS.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER and get 20% off your first purchase. I love you. I know. So with the full season finished, we got to poll the patrons. We gave our... Um, our middle and upper tier patrons, an opportunity to vote on their favorite episode. We have some results that aren't all that surprising, but it's it's good to know where everyone stands. It would be cool to see how they line up with our picks, though.
2: Yeah. Nick,
0: you got the stats on those?
3: I
1: do. I'm doing the calculating.
2: Wait, wait, wait. Should we go first before the patrons? Yeah, let's do
0: that. We go first?
2: And then see if we're as smart as the patrons are?
0: That's a great idea. So, yes. Ryan, go first. What was your favorite episode of this entire season?
2: One
3: way out. Full stop. And here's
0: why. (laughs) One of the things that I enjoy
3: about Rogue One and this program, I'll compare this to... I like to game. I like playing video games. I will compare this to sort of who I am as a gamer. So many people want me to try this game or that game. You got to do this. You got to try that one. I struggle with any type of video game that isn't somewhat grounded in like a real environment. Something about wanting to transport myself and and really live in that space mentally, like while I'm gaming, whether it be a, a first person shooter or like an apocalyptic zombie type game you know, those are the, those are the kind of games I enjoy playing, you know, Last of Us, those types of games, because I feel like you really are, are living in an environment that you could imagine, whoa, this would be crazy if there was a zombie apocalypse and the world was ending and I had to forge for supplies, you know, I, I enjoy that. And so something that turned me on to something that got me so excited about Rogue One was that element that we hadn't seen in Star Wars. I, I've said this before when we talk about that film. You know, Adam, I think early on when we started the podcast, you were the one who was like, yeah, the stormtroopers are dirty. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, they are. There you go. You know, so this program is all of that. I mean, we've we talked about that tonight. It's It's people. It's, it's their lives living in this universe, in this galaxy. And this episode, to, to get more kind of finite, and Rogue One as well, but this show and then this episode specifically, it's all about the Empire. How did the Empire get the Death Star? What's behind Darth Vader and the Emperor? How did they build this massive galactic superpower? Well, now we know. They're just sucking every system dry of its resources. They're... Literally creating death camps to build their industry, and so the moment that that was revealed that they were never getting out of prison, I just dude, that was so that was such smart writing, and I think it was the biggest light bulb moment of what the empire really is. I mean, uh, uh, you know, maybe some people of think that's a small thing in the episode, the guys not getting out of prison. I think it's huge. Yeah. I think it's it's Nazi death camps. It's the worst. Yeah imaginable you know i didn't do anything as he's leaving to go off to a death camp literally to build the death star spoilers
2: we don't care we got to build this
3: thing so yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah as if we didn't already think they were the the most evil pieces of shit in the galaxy this somehow leveled it up
3: and and it was so well directed to i'm, I'm hogging the i love you i know segment i know but it was so well directed like every one of those guys realizing what it meant was so you felt you felt it the weight of it it was so real it was like and and the one thing about this show that i loved they live in it man they they the scenes are long and conversational and like you get a moment to spend with these guys while they realize oh my god we're if we don't break out of here we're never getting out and dude circus being on the show and then his final moment realizing he helped everyone get there but he wasn't going to survive and just what, i don't that was that was that episode was a real turning point for me. Like the whole thing was a slow burn to the end, but I think that was a really killer opening to the to the third act. You know, can't swim, so good, man.
1: Nick, how about you? Well, I'll I guess I'll preface this all by saying the show wasn't fun. It was very <laughs> uh, a lot of anxiety. I loved watching it, and I love that this is a new lane for Star Wars storytelling, and maybe it opens a lane between a more fun. Wondrous animation and Mandalorian. Maybe there's ways to tell stories all the way in between a Mando or a Boba Fett and Andor. That's exciting. But the show was not fun. The show, to me, the only time that it connected with me emotionally was the last episode, Rick's Road, and that I'll say is my favorite because that's the only one that actually made me cry. And when I watch Star Wars, I want I'm used to, I'll say, I don't want to say I want, I'm used to that connection of childlike wonder and the swashbuckling fun. That's what's always been presented to us. So that's what is nostalgic for me. The show didn't have that. The show was something else. So I'm not comparing it at all. But Star Wars being emotional is important to me. And I got that in the last episode with specifically Marva and her speech. And and I said it on the last episode, just seeing what she meant to a lot of people what she meant to be to emo that finally like welled my eyes up and made me cry and I, I think that that's that's something that's always important to me is how does Star Wars make me cry yeah, yeah <laughs> so, and that's what I wanted from Kenobi and yeah. I finally got that in the last episode with
3: oh
0: did Anna you ever
1: Kenobi so that that's that's more where I'm at with Star Wars and I don't care how it happens I just want it to happen so the only time I shed a tear was the last episode so Rick's Road final answer Mike, what was your favorite
2: episode? I think this is interesting that we are so far, we're this far apart. Because mine is the eye. Yeah, it was, that was my second. That was second place for sure. And I th- I think what it was for me is, um, I think we were waiting for that. It, it also helps me in the show in the trailer. And I'm like, okay, anytime I'm going to see TIE Fighter. Like, I think this show brought my love back of TIE Fighters and just how they were used equally sparingly but also in a completely menacing way <laughs> like after that episode air like we're all like texting each other screen grabs from the episode because it was truly the cinematography was like on par with the last jedi for me with of just this beautiful scene in the sky we talked about on the show like how the contrast between it being this beautiful thing but incredibly violent up in the actual sky Skeens, i mean i i love Evan moss backwreck. so to have his character kind of fulfill that guy that you didn't totally trust. And then you were like, ah, he's cool though. He's cool. And then to see him try to backstab everyone. I'm like, ah, this, these tropes are alive and well, and they're amazing. And just the overall, the the style of espionage uh, that I think that we're expecting from say the creators of the Born trilogy. Uh, we We got to see it. I loved the, that we couldn't tell if Cinta went in and killed the whole family, even though we did, we know she she did. She Mm -hmm. totally killed them all. And I I love that. It was, it was real. It was brutal. It was, um, the stakes were high and visually it was an incredible episode. So I think the eye is the one that stands out to me is like, when I was telling people about Andor, I'm like, just get to the eye, just get to the eye and you're in, you're totally in.
0: Man, I, I'm between Rick's road And One Way Out. One Way Out was something, just to echo almost everything Ryan said, was just like a perfect episode. And Andy Serkis is a a goddamn genius, so it's hard not to pick that. But there is so much emotion in the finale in Rick's Road, and that combined with the the out-of-the-experience 30,000-foot view of what it's like for a screenwriter to pull off that kind of finale makes me want to pick the finale because getting everyone there in one place mm-hmm. to wrap up most of those stories that effectively mm-hmm. is a damn, a, it's, hardcore. It, it's a hell of a challenge. Yeah. So that's an unreal achievement and there was nothing about it that fell short. There was nothing that felt like, well, what happened to so-and-so? I mean, we have questions, but we, none of us felt that way emotionally about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I can't think of a finale that big that is that well executed at like a, a prestige TV level and also uh, an action set piece level and all of that, like checking all of the boxes. I can't think of another finale that's done that. So I have to pick the finale. Rick's road is my favorite <sighs> on program. <laughs> yes, but still on program. But let's now hear from the patrons. Nick, before you read the results of the poll, do you want to give us a few comments from the patrons about why they, uh, they chose what they did? I do. Could you tell on my face that that's what I want to do? <laughs> That's what your face said to me. That's why you
2: sign up for Patreon.
0: <laughs> Patreon.com slash thank to make your If you want to be one of these people who gets to vote and gets to have your comment read, among other things.
1: Patron Sarah Crow says, it's so hard to choose, but I had to go with episode 12. I had started typing out my reasoning about 10 times now, but I can't find the words. It all comes down to the spark of the rebellion and a clear indication that the death of his mother, the oppression of his people, and the torture of his lover, they all combine to make the Andor we love in Rogue One.
0: Damn right. Well
1: said. Danny C also goes with the last episode. Danny says, tough to choose, but had to go with the last episode because of Marva's call to action. It was just too powerful and was so well-written. Underappreciated actress Fiona Shaw absolutely killed the delivery of those lines and made us all feel the uprising of the rebellion, including in Cassian himself. If he didn't hear those words from his mother, who knows if the rebellion ever gets the Death Star plans.
2: That's a great point. We didn't really talk about that. That by the time we see Krennic, like Galen Erso is like fully, and the difference, hear me out. I don't, we could cut this out. There were a lot of people that were drawing the criticism that at the end of Revenge of the Sith, there's a dish already in there. Mm -hmm. But by the time we see it in Andor, the dish isn't in there. Hmm. When Krennic comes to him and says the work has stalled, is it because they had to replace the dish because it wasn't working and Galen was needed to do that?
0: Sure. That sounds like a hell of a retcon.
1: Works for me. I'll take it. I'll take it. And also why they wouldn't let prisoners out of prison because they need... Oh, yeah. I had to double down.
2: Yeah. The work has stalled. Thank the maker... A Star Wars podcast. <laughs> <Thank> the maker. <laughs> finally, we're finally a Star Wars we podcast. It. Oh, we did! we did! It. Yeah. Wow, that took forever, <laughs> man. Top Gun, Jurassic Park, man. <laughs> finally, we're just hitting the road
1: running now, guys. Uh, Cecilia says, and I don't think Cecilia goes on to mention uh, her favorite episode, but she does say such a hard decision. The show tugged at every heartstring. I genuinely enjoyed how people and strangers are able to come together for a common goal, especially against the empire's oppression. It shows that the people will always be stronger than the oppressors. She also mentions Andy Circus is such a beautiful actor and Kino's speech had me shaking. Andor has been an amazing show to watch. We get to see the politics of the Empire, the Empire's rule, the galaxy beyond the Jedi and the Sith, and just good old-fashioned
0: emotions. All right, let's read the results. Hey, we haven't done this in a while. (laughs) Medals for winners. Nick, you want to do that? These are my awards for ARMY.
1: (laughs) Coming in at first place, favorite episode from the patrons at 44%. Episode 10, One Way Out. Oh, dang.
2: My people. (laughs)
1: Happens all the time on this show, though. Next up, second place, 40%. Episode 12, Rick's Road. That's damn close. Coming up the rear. Yeah, I mean, there's 84% right there. 12%. Episode six, The Eye, and then the only other episode to get any votes at 4%. Don't worry, little buddy, you made the list.
2: (laughs) Episode nine, nobody's listening. Damn. Sneaky good. They're all good. This was hard. They really are. This was hard. Typically, we would do a favorite quote
0: here as well. And we've got the quote of the week that we do at the end. But we just decided to combine all that. So we're going to do four quotes of the week. We're just going to pick our favorite quote and we'll read those. To send us out so before we fully wrap it up and get out of here ryan tell the people uh where to find you
3: on social media all of my social media is at william ryan key are you uh, promoting anything so i'm going to promote stuff um i would like to promote uh, a podcast that i co-host with my friends called thank the maker a star wars podcast
2: <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> Check it out. yeah i've heard
3: of it i've heard of it yeah. click the hyperlink look for it on the line <laughs> L- link in bio kids <laughs>
1: Click and subscribe. (laughs) Like and subscribe, people. Uh, All my social media is at Nick Bayside. It would be really cool if you listen to all those new Bayside songs. There's three new Bayside songs out all uh, on the Red EP. And we're going on tour next year on the Just Like Home tour. It starts in February. Tickets are on sale now. And they make really cool uh, Christmas Hanukkah gifts. We did that on purpose. Lit. Tickets. Mike,
0: how about you?
2: Uh, you can find me at Hondo Supply or Armor Party Show, part of the Thank the Maker Network. And uh, we've got a really cool project coming up over at Hondo Supply happening by the time you're listening to this, uh, December 11th. And we have the ornament project, which is I asked about 40 artists to make Star Wars ornaments. And we're going to take all of the money, bid the hell out of them, and give all the money to a really great charity uh, that helps people. So... Uh, follow along over at Honda Supply on Instagram, which is where you can find me. And uh, we're doing the Hive thing. We're all trying to do the Hive thing. Yeah, find us all our socials over at Hive too. It's literally only Star Wars <laughs> on oh, <no>. Hive. <laughs> it's great. It's great.
0: <laughs> I apologize. I I won't have another social media application on my phone. So, well, I got rid of Twitter. So smart. Still just two. I'm on Instagram and Hive at Adam the Skull. This podcast is on Instagram and TikTok at Thank The Maker Pod, on Hive at Thank The Maker. We're posting there just as much as we do on Instagram, maybe a little more actually because it's kind of a for anyone who hasn't been on Hive yet, it's kind of a combination of Twitter and Instagram. It's nice because you can just do a text post, you can do a gif, you can do a poll, you can do a video, you can do a photo. It's pretty sick. So come hang out with us there. It's all good vibes so far. I haven't seen any haters or any of the bullshit that goes on still on Twitter. I'm sure I haven't been there for a minute because it's a complete shit show, and I'm out. You can also support this podcast. Listen to us and watch us record live, do polls, get exclusive content, and some more stuff that's going to happen soon because we're going to do some overhauls. I promise it's really happening. We're really making changes, and we're going to do cool stuff. Exclusive merch, all this, patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. Thank you so much to all of our patrons for making this happen. It's literally the only way that this podcast is possible. So thank you so much. Also, don't forget to listen to Princess and Scoundrel, the other podcast on the network. Mosh Isley has new merch. And we have new merch for this podcast, too. We have hoodies for both. Thankthemakermerch.com gets you to both of those. We're doing a Cyber Week sale that, uh, by the time this comes out, will only be a few days remaining. 20% off, right? So go there. Thankthemakermerch.com. By the time this comes out, it'll be one day remaining. Yeah, we'll do it. Hurry up and do it. I'll do it live. All right, let's wrap it up with our quotes of the week. We each picked our favorite from the series, the season. Ryan, why don't you go first? We'll, we'll keep the same order. Okay, here we go. My quote is, I've made
3: my mind a sunless space. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. Luthen, <laughs> From mine and the
1: patrons' favorite episode, One Way Out. <laughs> what a quote. I did change mine just so you guys know because we probably should have a quote from Cassian Andor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite quote, I'd rather die trying to take them down than die giving them what they want. Cassian Andor. Beautiful.
2: Well, after Ryan's quote, mine's going to be Cassian <laughs> from B2Evo. Um, no, my, my the, the quote that I was uh, before Luthen's incredible monologue and pretty much all the monologue in this show the one that stood with me was, I don't even think it's a Star Wars quote, but the axe forgets, but the tree remembers. Now it's our turn to do the chopping. And I loved that for many ways, because if you think of all the legacies in either the species or the character legacies or the philosophies of Star Wars, many times they've all been wronged and they don't forget. So I love that in so many ways. Arvel Skeen, rest in betrayal. <laughs> Rest in hell. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a scoundrel. (laughs) Yep, that's right.
0: My quote, to wrap it up, is something that spoke to the nature of the empire so eloquently Mm -hmm. and connected so well to real life and what a lot of people are feeling, especially in the United States right now. It hit me like a goddamn ton of bricks, and I haven't been able to shake it since. It goes like this. So much going wrong, so much to say, and all of it happening so quickly. The pace of repression outstrips our ability to understand it, and that is the real trick of the imperial thought machine. It's easier to hide behind forty atrocities than a single incident. That comes from Nemec, the boy Nemec. I have goosebumps.
2: Carried on the chest of Cassie Andor. <laughs> that that there's never
3: been anything like that written in Star Wars.
0: Oh, it's unbelievable, dude.
3: E- even even you know, one fighter with a sharp stick can take the day, you know, or whatever the the. And we take the next and on to the next chance and the next until the chances are spent. Like oh, that whole model that was next level. This is just this is a whole nother realm, dude. Yeah, I mean we're lucky.
0: We're fortunate. That's
3: some serious screenwriting right there. Thank you, Tony Gilroy. The Imperial thought machine, just that, that little that way of looking at it. It makes it as I was kind of talking about earlier, it makes it as big as it needs to be, the empire. Yep. And 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 how they were, were able to get to. 1977, 46 years ago, Mike, and and a new hope. Years. Like, <laughs> how they were able to be destroying planets. Like how does it? How do you get there? Galen Erso, the Imperial Thought Machine.
0: Like that's just such good writing. What a quote. Tony Gilroy, we love you,
2: patrons. We love you. Come on the show. Someone get that guy on the show. Oh, yeah. please. Our Star Wars podcast.
3: Thank the maker, a Tony Gilroy podcast.
1: <laughs> well, now that we're a Star Wars podcast, might help us get some... Yeah. It
3: is official now. Yeah. It is official. That's Finally.
2: True. All right, Tony, I'll page you. In,
3: in, Mike, in Mike's terms, it, it, it only took us 18
2: years. <laughs> I'm just rounding up, yeah, Mike. Yeah, that's right. Five years. Crazy. You guys have been around.
0: Good to hang with all of you. All four legs of the table. Love you guys. All 50-year-olds, all of us. (laughs) And until next week, may the Force be with you.